what are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? There we go, back in my life. Do you know, um, Eric was saying that he asked me, do you guys like have a pre-recorded one of those? And I was like, no, no, no. it's live each and every time. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like, I love it. I love it. You, I love you make it. us in, in in the X Men today, folks. We're talking about X Men Apocalypse and X Men Apocalypse. He's giving us, making us sound like Wolverine. It's one of my favorite fucking lines because every you know snowflake like me has brought it up every time we have to do something we don't like. Like, does it hurt Wolverine every time? <laughs> so you're like, do we have to rehearse it every time we do it? Every time. Sorry, I've just oh, I've yeah. seen that repeated ad nauseum now. Where I'm like, yeah, it's not quite the same as adamantium claws ripping through your net through your through your. Not not quite. I mean, especially because I mean we're doing something interesting and we're talking about Logan as well. Today. Yes, so we're kind of giving the comparison to the two. Um, originally, it was going to be like, isn't X Men Apocalypse so bad and isn't Logan so good but see the problem was and this is why it's a rant show because man this is going to be a rant Um, (laughs) but I was watching Apocalypse like I have a stack of movies right underneath my to explain where this all comes from because as if anyone cares um, I'm going through a period where like I, I, I just consume media because I'm writing and I, I got stuff going on and, and you know what I mean like it just is I think a, a state we're all in but I have a shelf of lots of things that I haven't even opened X-Men Apocalypse was one of those examples so it was something I bought because I knew I'd want to watch it but then I never opened it and I mean I bought X-Men Apocalypse like a year ago and so yeah, yeah. I've got a stack and it's a pretty sizable stack which is just showing you what a rich prick I really am um of stuff I haven't watched ever and like you mm-hmm. know I think one half of the stack is stuff that I saw in the cinemas and then I bought so I've got Blade Runner 2049 there because I always fall asleep halfway through that I'm like I don't watch the whole freaking film so <laughs> I've got the Hellraiser box ra- box set there because I always watch the first three Hellraisers in the oh, box set classic. and then like the last five I'm like yeah I'll watch them at some yeah. point <laughs> yeah I would I I would totally go down that rabbit hole with you because I've never done it. Yeah, so you know what I mean. Like I've done one, two, and three, but not anything. I've done one, two, three, and four. I've done two, one, two, three, four, and part of five. So four is good. Four is Bloodline. So that's that was the one that came out in the late nineties, around the same time as the Matrix. And it's, I mean, I say it's good. It's good if you're a sci-fi nerd because it has sci-fi slash Hellraiser, and it's really. It, ha- it was really well based on the comics because one of the best things you can do if you like the the Cenobites and you like yeah. that, Clive Barker released a whole set of comic books that are really good on them. Oh, that's cool. Oh, speaking of which, yes. Um, like the influences on, on, on these films that we're talking about today in the comic books totally makes me want to do the comic book show so much more so we we totally need to do that man i seriously i like there's some really cool stuff out there and stuff that i feel like i've never really explored because i was never really a comic book guy you know um well, but the, like through the movies certainly like i'm this is this is the thing so i i i am going through it, it it is call me renaissance man because that's what's going on right now a lot of things in childhood that i did that i stopped doing because people told me not to do them anymore for a variety of stupid reasons if i'm honest most of them about yeah. me being too old and me not being whatever 
you know, I've just given up on all that, guys. I'm allowed to. I, I you know, I, I'm this really weird hippie now that just kind of does what I want to do. And comic book reading was a big part of that because I think people miss like the art in comic books. Mm. Like that's yes. that's what really used to get me. And now we've got the subscription from Lootbox. You guys could do it too. They're just down in around the corner for me in Huli in Surrey. They'll send you 16 comics for like 20 bucks or 32 comics for like 20 bucks. Like it's ridiculous and, and it's completely random and I deliberately like it that way. I don't want to start collecting. I want to read. So Ed yeah. knows I get 16 and then they go over to his house and they're over there and the whole point he's making is when I came to him, you know, I've talked about it probably on the show before, but what I'd like to do for the for the viewers is we have Dirty 20. I'd like to do another show where we take some of those best comic books because like you just catch so many things. Like I read Misty. I never read Misty. Misty is this, you know, mm. this country's versions of Creepshow and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was so good. And it's just I'd like to do an episode just talking about why I like it, what's cool about it, you know, and yes. where you could find it if you want to. And Ed thought that was a pretty dope idea. So my only yeah, problem has been, you know, COVID has made trying to get yeah. filming done tricky and originally i was like i'll just do it on my own ed and then we can you can mirror what i do but ed's got kind of the background and putting the shows together so i i've got to go over to eddie's when i can and we're gonna make this show and then you guys will have yet another offering from the crazy jason and ed you know (laughs) yes and uh we're also going to be releasing a carnivale video as Mm. well which um should be a lot of fun hoping that uh people check it out and um if they like it Maybe there'll be more in the pipeline. Yeah, so Carnivale, give them a bit of background. Like Carnivale is your is is that made by Troll Trader or do they sell it? So it's uh, TT Combat. Okay. Um, they uh, purchased uh, this game and revamped it. Um, it is a skirmish, uh, eldritch horror alternate history setting. Yeah. Um, which is it's set in Venice, uh, the end of the 1700s. Which which has been. Which, yeah. I mean, there, there must be someone who watches over us. You do know I'm playing Assassin's Creed 2 right now. Yeah. <laughs> which is, exactly. like, yeah. half the game... I knew you'd love it. Half the game <laughs> takes place in... Ven- the worst thing about these games is it just makes me want to go to... I've never been, guys. I have to fully oh, admit, people people it. get mad. People think I am Italian. I'm not. I love Italians. I love Italian you everything. That, uh, New York Italian. I do. So. And that's, that's kind of just because of how my dad used to associate himself. But at any rate, like, I've never actually been... And I like feel mm. like I'm totally missing out now, dude. I, it was like I've I've been once, and Venice is spectacular. I mean, Firenze. I know so much. Dante Alighieri being my favorite yeah. writer, you know. Yeah. The fact yeah. that the other half of the game takes place there, like it's. I just gotta get yeah. there when yeah. when things are better. So so uh, Carnivale has a lot of the uh, kind of um, vibe of the masqueratas, the the carnival masks. Yeah, and, yeah. It has a lot of relation to Eldritch Horror. There's magic and monsters, and it's a really fantastic game. And the lore is really, really cool. So yeah, let's let's just uh, let, let let the producer talk because that's that's the thing, yeah. man. Like more importantly, Ed's put together this. Was it six minutes or is it longer? Uh, just over seven, I think. Yeah, about seven minutes of just like you know, like you liked from Dandelions because you you do have a great voice. You know what I mean? So it's like thank you. You well, some men have a great penis. You got a great voice. You know what can I say? <laughs> My uh, my voice is atrocious, by the way. <laughs> um, thank you. I think uh, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute because I've been watching a movie off and on today and yesterday that that will filter in and eventually we'll get to X Men Apocalypse. Um, mm. But yes, no, the, the narration and just you know he's put it to some pictures. As I said, we'll get it out. Hopefully, I told Ed 
Wednesday or Friday this week, I should be able to get it up and get it on the website. But yeah, keep your eyes peeled for it because it's one of those things. It's just the things that we're able to offer because it's what we like to do, like free stuff for you. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no charge to it or anything. So check it out. And then if you want more, Ed is excited and ready. He's shaking his shoulders right here. He's like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me more. So he's in a very, <laughs> I'm very excited. He's in a good mood today. I love it. I just, I ha we haven't spoken in a couple of days and I know this sounds so soppy, but I missed you, dude. Oh, we are like brothers. We are. That's the thing. Like we, with you, with me as always, Ed, like I just, you know, you're always kind of with me these days. Uh, yes, you had a good Thanksgiving as well. Which I did. Is, which so is, yeah, we yeah. did a first official Thanksgiving. Like that is a pretty big deal, guys. Cause I haven't, I, I so the story goes about, I want to say it was about 10 years ago. I invited my father-in-law, who is a chef, down for Thanksgiving. So we were going to do it like I did it this weekend. We had it on a weekend, you know, as opposed mm -hmm. to a Thursday because no one can get, you know, time off or it just never works on yeah. a Thursday because it's not a holiday here. I had the Friday off, took the Friday off just to catch up with family at home. Um, but on a Saturday, we had, yeah, there's, it's just basically a potluck. But the fact that I can mm. cook now helps because you know the fact that i like cooking because i was up from about i loved your your penny as well with the uh, with was it pugs on that it was all becky like becky becky celebrating oh. having the chef in her house you know and <laughs> let me tell you like like she gets it too it just makes me feel good to cook for people and thanksgiving was a good example of that so but 10 years ago i invited mike down that's my father-in-law to do it and i basically had him cook all the meals yeah after i told him what we would be having then i made him cook it all because i didn't know what i was doing and i couldn't be asked to learn so that put a kibosh on this time round. Yeah, it was me. You were the master chef. Right? Yeah, like, and I think uh... it's because it, part of part of what Thanksgiving was on Saturday for me yet is me establishing. Don't think of it like American Thanksgiving because I don't really subscribe to that anyway. The you're gonna get a movie from me not too long from right. now. I hope that's basically gonna you know show me how much I shit on Thanksgiving because De debunk it a little. Well, bit. Well, <laughs> sorry, mate. I'm I'm native. You know what I mean. So I'm yeah, part yeah, native yeah. at least. And in most of the tribes that we're we're talking about with the story of Thanksgiving were wiped out by the people that they right. saved. So right. sorry. Thanks a lot, jerks. Mm. Sorry. There's no other way to say it really. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Do you know? No. So that's what I mean. Like, I could give a shit less about that. What I like, I wanted to blend what I love about England, which is, I, most people find this hilarious, that I find England awesome because of how multicultural it is. Now, mm -hmm. someone will always retort to that, but it's like 70%, 90% white. I'm like, it is like 99% white here. But mm -hmm. the cool thing is the white people here know very well how to like accept, uh, tolerate, and learn, I think is the biggest mm. thing about other cultures. So... Mm. That's just, and that's not shitting on my, all my American brethren. It's just saying they do have a much better way out here of understanding right. that not everything is done the same way. And so, right. you right. know, the dinner, the, the the woman I invited over, she's Greek. So we, she brought over some, some, you know, just some basically, she's also in Chicago. So it was like Greek slash Chicago food. Becky has nice. her own stuff that she makes well. And she made a pecan pie for the first time. Oh, that looked good oh, as well. Oh, I demolished mm. it. And she, the best part I would say about having an English chef in the kitchen for it. So mm. English, like, and this, this, this does work with Christmas dinner. All English cooking is so prim compared to American mm. cooking. We are very rustic. Okay. That was the word that kept coming out of Becky's mouth on Saturday rustic. was rustic. And I was like, yes, <laughs> mac and cheese, rustic, cornbread, rustic, pecan pie, nice. which like disintegrated as we tried to cut it up, like rustic. Ooh, it's, mm, it's delicious, right? Pumpkin yeah, pie yeah, was yeah. the same way. So... But that's what I'm saying. And and I guess the best thing for me, Ed, is it was the first time like I got to see, aside from you, you would be the only other person that should be there. But that's my family, my daughter, right. my wife, my best friend, Lila, and my best friend, you. 
You know what I mean? It's just... It reminds you of, uh, you know, like, the good things in life. It's... And it, yeah. I mean, for me, it's all just exposing truths. Because I feel like people think I have these, like, awesome parties and that I just know all these people. <laughs> and, like, to be fair, like, I guess that was me at a time. But I'm an introvert. Now, like, I like my home. I'm reading <laughs> yeah. my daughter The Hobbit. And the more and more I read it, the more I realize I am Bilbo Baggins. Like, I just love <laughs> being able to sit in my house and do my thing. I love if yeah, company yeah, yeah. comes over, but you know what I mean? Mm. Like, so. So, um, but, you know, bringing us back to. As we do. Uh, That's right. Apocalypse and uh, and Logan. How, how would you like to talk about it? Because I was like super intrigued after watching them both uh, about just so, just so much about them well, where they did great, yeah, yeah, yeah. not so great, you know. Originally, I think I was going to put it into two episodes, but I think, now that I think about it, we could do it in one. So I'm like, okay, let's do okay. it in one then. Let's do it in one. I would start, I would have you do a lot of the talking because I already know kind of how <laughs> I feel about things, but you're the one to mm. just watch it. So X-Men Apocalypse, we don't we don't really, you know, I, I've given up on the synopsis, guys, because if you haven't watched the film yet, it's not really a show where we're going to tell you about like, you know what I mean? Should you watch or you shouldn't watch it? Like, it's X-Men Apocalypse. It came out like five years ago, so... Right. Yes. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, we're not really spoiling much. Uh, if you haven't watched both of these films, I think they're definitely worth your time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to go watch them and come back to, you know, this point where we can uh, kind of give our feelings. That's and, right. So, uh, And I would say the focus, because obviously we try to give something back to our indie listeners and, and, you know, our long-term listeners that have also listened to us talk about some of our favorite things. But I guess the big thing that I want to hit on between Apocalypse and Logan is the difference in the storytelling. Because that's probably yes. the biggest thing. The budget's probably about the same, to be honest. I think Logan's actually slightly more no, low budget because it has that feel to it. That it's more noir, mm-hmm. more gritty, more, I don't need as much money for this. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're both going to be big budget films made by Fox. So right. that, right. you know, we were looking at the numbers. We wanted to say that X-Men Apocalypse did terribly. I'll tell you what the show was going to mm-hmm. be about. We were going to do it about X-Men Apocalypse not making its budget of $178 million and Logan killing it with its budget. That just wasn't the truth. The, the truth is yeah. <laughs> that, you know, X-Men Apocalypse grosses... 542 million worldwide and box office alone it did fine i was a bit surprised i guess maybe that's one of the things we can discuss is i felt and maybe i was wrong because when i went on the internet it wasn't as negative as i thought but i felt like this film at least by word of mouth had some really negative backlash yeah yeah it, it it did um and i think a lot of it has to do with just the time that that this was happening, mm. which in the background coincides with Disney making the move to buy all of Fox. Yeah, right? yeah. And it, essentially, that had a knock-on effect to both this film in Apocalypse and um, the... Dark Phoenix films. Dark and, Phoenix and films, which came after Logan. And, then and New Mutants, New exactly, Mutant. yes. Exactly. What about Logan? How did, so, Lo- how did you know, tell me, I don't know anything about the background of Logan, because I, you know, didn't right, have time for special right. features this week, because, as I said, December, unfortunately, yeah. guys, is going to be one where I'm going to be quite busy with work stuff, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how did Logan come about? Was it something talked about for so, a long time? And we are going to so, dance around, um, folks, because I want to. <laughs> James uh, James Mangold, uh, he was hired to direct The Wolverine. Okay. Which was the second installment 
after X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um, yeah, it's, was, it's the better of the two. It's, it's yeah. you know, the Wolverine's the one that goes to Japan, right? Yes, so, yes. So it was like one of those things. It's, it's a bit like Logan. This makes sense to me now because I think we talked about it. The Wolverine is a great film. It's just not necessarily a great X-Men film because it doesn't really have anything to do with the X-Men. Like, it's just yes. kind of like, here's a cool movie with Wolverine in it. And it's like, oh, okay. Yes. Uh, X-Men Origins was directed by Gavin Hood, mm. who had uh, was a South African filmmaker who directed a film called Totsi, which uh, I think it won like an Academy Award, maybe. Okay. But it was it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty good film. Uh, but X Men Origin did not go down well. However, the Wolverine uh, and sorry Hugh Jackman was a pretty big star by this point, right? Yeah. They'd done the they'd done the X Men X One X Two, The Last Stand, um, and he was big enough that and he loved the character enough that um he kept pushing right um later on something similar would happen wait with, just stop uh, there because Ru- i think i know what you're talking yeah. about what is he pushing for because I, if i remember correctly he has a special thing he's pushing for with this though right so he he wants to make more wolverine films right um and he's happy with james mangold james mangold did 310 to yuma which is a really good modern you, western. You know film. it is. It's it's often forgotten because no one watches western. But that has Christian Bale and yeah. And I like westerns uh, because I mean I'm American, yeah. so Americans we love westerns. But it, it's a good one, and it was highly overlooked because it was kind of when you know Christian Bale is no longer, in my view, kind of in favor favor. And so if he's in mm. something, people are like, eh. And this was mm. one of those. It came out and people just kind of passed it by, but it was good. It's a train robbery. A train robbery. Yeah. Dude, train robbery westerns are always freaking good. I don't think yeah. they've made a bad one. Shot really, really well. Um, so James Mangold got hired to do The Wolverine. Okay. And it had it had this kind of like fairly warm reception, but they weren't entirely happy with it. And both Mangold and... Um, Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman, thank you very much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, both of them kind of teamed up and decided that they wanted to tell a gritty Western style story. Okay. Because that's also the influence of the samurai, right? Like the the samurai and the Western genre has always had like a kind of give and take um, throughout its history. Okay. And um, I think that uh, Jackman understood that he was getting older and that playing that character was hard. But they did come across uh, some storylines in some of the comic books, such as Old Man Logan. Yeah. Which is this... I, I haven't read the comic book, have you? No, I haven't read Old Man Logan, but I'm fairly certain that's yeah, what they based I, this I, on, right? This was the... Yeah. Like, to, 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 a, to a large degree. Because cause it's the other thing um, you have to... like. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that... Uh, I'm of two minds of this because I see some backlash from it and maybe it's because I read a lot of comic books now, but you know, mm-hmm. X-Men as a story, and we'll talk about this in Apocalypse as well, like these are malleable stories again, like just like the mm. MCU and the MCU, the whole point with the MCU is it's one non-malleable story. So in other words, the reason that's unique in the MCU is because they're taking a comic book and they're saying, no, 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 no. we're not going to make it 
you know, change every five years because everybody had different mm. origin stories. And, and like, I encourage right. you to, that is why I encourage people to read comics because it teaches you just how loose you should be about your storytelling because yes, that's how quickly absolutely. it can pick up and move to something else. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm not talking from, from a lack of experience. This is what I'm good at. Ed can tell you that's how we fix things. When Ed says, oh, we can't do it this way. And I'll say, well, what if we tried it this way, this way, and this way? He says, ah, the third one will work. That's it. And mm. don't be wedded to it. Like, there's, just get it done. The, there's kind of a joy in that kind of creativity as well. I love it's, it. Yeah. No, I mean, for yeah, me, Ed's, Ed sits in a room and watches me do it because I get giddy. Like, I, I get really excited walking down a path of a story. But... I'm one of those writers that I never know how it's going to end. Like, I just don't... Mm -hmm. Some writers start with the ending and go backwards. Me, I just... Mm. I come up with what I think is a cool story, and then I'll run with mm. it. And if it doesn't fit for what I need, then I'll just start mm. moving things. Right. And I think to that point, uh, one of the um, variances that I find between Apocalypse, the storytelling in Apocalypse and the storytelling in Logan, is that in Logan there's a lot more personal storytelling. Um, and although there is some in Apocalypse, I, I did quite appreciate what they were doing with Magneto, which again has its roots in the comics. But I did find it... Uh, I was much more invested in the personal storytelling of Logan than I was in uh, apocalypse by the end of it and that's good though because now you've just given a concrete example and i really say this you can watch both and then you're gonna have that'll be four hours of your time to watch both so <laughs> gotta put the time in, not sure gotta, uh, gotta, i was i was i was thinking about this put, put the time in this week guys because i said we're gonna divide it into two but i like it as one because it's a it's a good point what he's talking about the difference between your attraction to the characters and logan because there's not as many there's only logan mm. There is X-23, there is uh, Caliban, who I loved, that was yeah. my favorite character, yes. Yes. Uh, and Professor yes. Xavier are really yeah. the only real characters you're going to care about what they say. There's a couple other bad guys that show up, but I would mm. say that uh, like all other superhero films, the bad guys mm. in this one end up being just as bad, bad yes. without being bad, you know? Totally. You gotta, oh my god. You gotta like, go. You gotta go to Thor uh, Ragnarok if you went decent baddies. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where it's. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I thought Black Panther's bad guy was 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 very good, but I th I I totally get what you're saying here. That the and it, it's kind of the cliche, but it's true in both of them as well. Like uh, it's Apocalypse just, was. Listen, guys. Like you if know, you want to elevate this, what I'm talking about is, and it was almost there with Ragnarok. But you need a Richard the Third, and I'm not talking the real Richard the Third, who I'm sure was a lovely man, but the Richard the Third that Shakespeare <laughs> hated. You know what I mean? Like the villain, yeah, yeah. the villain, the one yes. who schemes in the background. Like Magneto's yeah. the closest thing you have, and they they always you know shy away from it because they want to make him. They want to. You know, Planet M and all that stuff are really good stories. So it's like I think they See, always another have, another series that they I have get to, to read. keep him in the woodwork to make him good when they need him to be because that's been Magneto's thing is he'll switch allegiances yeah. when it suits him. But you know he's not in Logan, and they could have put all of those guys in Logan. And the whole point is that's mm. how it works. Well, is if you strip mm. out because there used to be a comic called Wolverine, and and all that was yeah. was Wolverine on adventures, but. You know, you don't want to watch Wolverine with the 20 other X-Men. You want to see what he's going to get up to. 
So yeah, it's almost like the exact opposite of what the last stand gave you, which was like just a bombardment right. of like so, cameos. So the, there are degrees stuff. of this, and and I love that you brought up the last stand because I like the last stand because I read comic books, mm. and although it, sh- you know, I agree, it shattered. You you had two, the first, you know, X Men and X Two were fairly linear. You know what I mean? They they mm. they didn't have that comic book thing to them. They had a lot of like they were about as comic booky as Lost. They had elements yeah, yeah. that you were like, well, what's going to happen with that? And what's going to happen with that? And they were almost reticent to embrace the the comic books in a way. Right? Yeah, which I think I think a lot of movie filmmakers are right to do that because, you know, a film audience isn't nearly as forgiving as a comic mm. book audience. So, mm. but X3, you know, famous, famous last words. I'm that yes, director. Right now. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was, he went comic book. He killed off mm. all these people and you're like, whoa, mm. what's going on here? And he introduces whole new character and the problem was it's in a comic book if you like the character let me explain it to you this way in a comic book if you really like the character so let's say you know we'll go to x-men apocalypse and you really like psylocke and i was explaining mm. to psylocke that i, I to, to ed that i had to make a confession and he was like what's your confession i'm like i don't really think there is much of a backstory to psylocke she had really mm. big boobs in the comic book and was right. hot and i was 12 so mm. you know i'm pretty sure but i could go back to that character whenever i wanted in a comic book i didn't have to like have a backstory or anything it was like mm. i just picked out the mm. comics that she was in and it was fun mm. in a movie you can't do that and and that showed with mm. psylocke so you had psylocke and you're like so a her outfit looked atrocious sorry lady <laughs> yeah the the makeup the it was just the, poor. Um, the, the 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 costumes so apocalypse what's, was so, so let's, disappointing let's talk about what we didn't like in apocalypse versus logan because yeah. that's what we're talking about here so one was the tight mm. story that story writing in logan yes. is a hundred times tighter now i was about to get really defensive apocalypse though and i will because i compared it with mm. ultron which is another film i think you okay. need to go out and like if you really want to deep dive on age of apocalypse you've got to watch age of ultron and then watch apocalypse mm-hmm. and i would watch them pretty close to one another they are very similar films mm-hmm. they're middle mm-hmm. they're middle films so they're talking about you know an already a band of merry men or and women mm-hmm. that have already gone together we know kind of the background so there's no need like days of future past did or you know mm-hmm. x-men first class to kind of go back and say well this is this is where they're all from mm-hmm. but where ultron completely screws this up is it got really sad and, and, and it completely blew away the rest of the tone of the movie. I think X-Men mm. Apocalypse is better than that. I think it does mm. get sad, but it's more in tune with classic X-Men drama. You know what I mean? Like, I think they, yeah. they were better placed to do that with the X-Men rather than the Avengers to make it really mm. dramatic. Because that's the only other thing about X-Men Apocalypse, right? Is like, Logan's the R rating, but X-Men Apocalypse is not really a, a feel-good film either. Mm. No, yeah, it's true. I guess, like, uh, I, the the scale of X-Men Apocalypse just felt, uh, like, a little bit too sprawling, a little bit too, like, you know, like, history-defining kind of stuff. Sure. Whereas the, the, the stuff in, in Logan just... It didn't felt, feel as earth-shattering, even though it recognized some connections to you know previous I, stuff i think that's right so it's a good good lesson and kind of like because because again for an indie producer you can save yourself a ton of budget this way so what ed's talking about is the telling of more with less so mm, in apocalypse exactly. they they blew the cgi budget right like they just you know it's 178 million yeah. they know they're gonna gross that whatever so 
And I agree with you that it felt, because it's two hours and 20 minutes when it's finished, and it felt mm-hmm. like kind of two or three movies fit into one. Yes, yes, So, absolutely. you know, one story is Apocalypse, and that mm-hmm. was probably the weakest of the stories. And the, the the reason that was weak, and we wanted to talk about that briefly, like, listen, we love Oscar Isaacs. I love Oscar Isaacs. Yes. I think he's a yes. very talented, absolutely. you know, he's, a, he's a, a mestizo like me and like Ed. So, you know, Oscar Isaac dances, baby. Exactly. Like, he's know, he's all... intelligent, a great actor and good looking like we are. So, you know what I mean? Why? <laughs> why wouldn't we like him? However, he's not. Apo- I love it. He's not Apocalypse. Like, yeah. And that is one of my favorite characters only because, you know, when I was yeah. a kid, I was obsessed with the book of Revelation and the four writers of the apocalypse because I was a Catholic. It's very, it's very cool, isn't it? Like the symbolism and the whole the the opening sequence in Egypt. I really dug like the first 20 minutes of like I would go so far as say phenomenal uh and then it just starts kind of sliding downhill well by because, the time because they it, return to Cairo I was it, like it, that's oh. what I mean because it changes stories so I mean you have so you have that story then the the second story would be this is just right, Magneto Magneto right because you didn't yeah. know about what happened to him and there's there's some connection with that because Again, this is the way they're blending different casts. They're using the X-Men First Class cast with this now because obviously mm. we've said goodbye to um, Patrick Stewart's character and, um, and, and and Ian McKellen's. Um, and so they're trying to... Right, but not, not, not until Logan, which is the funny part, right? Which is Logan came out a year after. Yes, yeah, so well, Xavier said that... Not Xavier, sorry. <laughs> Patrick Stewart said that would be his last... Professor Xavier, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I can see yeah. why. Like that is a wonderful yeah. portrayal. Beautiful. Wow. And again, beautiful maybe sentence. that's again it's showing the contrast. Why is that a beautiful portrayal? Well, you know, Wolverine is not really that new to me. That was the only thing I was surprised about. Is well, that's Wolverine. Like that's how he's supposed yeah. to be. But Professor yeah. Xavier, obviously, you'd never seen him like that before. Yeah. Um, you read the comics, yeah. and there's a couple of the, the, the plot lines that go that way. They make him into not a bad guy. Some of them do make him a bad guy, by the way. But others yeah. of him kind of explain this, you know, this madness that, that overtakes him because his mm. mind is so powerful. Have you, have you per chance, uh, watched uh, Legion? I think we've talked about this before. We've talked about it, but no, I haven't watched yeah. Legion before. That is connected to the X-Men universe, though, isn't it? It is. It's a Fox TV show, and it's about the son of Xavier. Okay. And they do a very interesting job with that, with that TV show. Again, though, we're probably never going to see... More. No, but I mean, it's the beauty of the X-Men. As I said, I would say I do have quite a bit of knowledge about them versus, I mean, now I know a lot about the MCU as well because of the deep dive, but, you know, right, comic right, book right. wise, this was what I followed. This was, you know, what I really enjoyed growing up. And there is a huge depth to it. It's just a matter of um, how much people can put up with. And I think they tried to cram an awful lot into that film. So that being said, Ed and I both watched the film going into it thinking it was going to be bad because we'd heard bad reviews about it and it was like i had the impression that people word of mouth to me and i'm not saying because when i checked the reviews it was different but mm. word of mouth on apocalypse was that it was bad and when mm. i watched it i kept texting ed being like it's not bad it's not even remotely mm. bad it's really good it just has a few you know holes here and there because it, it, it's gluttonous it has too yeah. much for the time it needs to do and there were some as i said some very poor choices i think as far as you know picking apocalypse as oscar isaac's you know, it just it wasn't the right. It wasn't apocalypse. It wasn't the way he's depicted. No. And I think, you know, I'm I'm all about not getting mixed up with toxic fandom, right? But yeah, yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? Like there's 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 so much to like though. I mean, like Michael Fassbender is fabulous as Magneto. Um, I think that. All right. Uh, yeah. So sorry. The, the third story. So you've got the Magneto story is number two, and the number three is the Jean Grey Scott Summer story. Like. Yeah, which was great. I, I, I liked them both. I thought Sophie Turner did a lovely job. I liked Nightcrawler. He was always one of my favorite mm. uh, X-Men. When they, and they modernized. See, that was the one where they modernized all those kids, right? Like, So that, that reminded me a lot of the New Mutants because that's obviously it was yeah. a new set. They're, they're learning to do whatever they need to do. So Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the young days and... I don't know. There was there was something that I really liked about that. I also really liked the depiction of Quicksilver. I actually much prefer the depiction of Quicksilver in the X Men cinematic universe than in uh, you know the MCU, for example. That's right. So Quicksilver in the MCU, that's that's the Scarlet Witch's brother, right? Yeah. And he dies yeah. uh, in Age of Ultron, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's one of the few characters that there's kind of a sharing thing. Uh, and um, they're depicted very differently. Uh, and I, I really like the scenes where, you know, he's running around and, and oh, yeah. saving over well, it's, it's No offense to the actor who plays it in Ultron because he did a great job. But, you know, the the actor who plays it in X-Men is the guy from American Horror Story. And he's just, he's yes. got chops. He's really, he has the same kind of acting. And, and I'm not yelling at you, dude, because I'm, I'm not an actor, so I don't know how I would act. But... He does come across samey and and a lot of his stuff kind of that chip on your shoulder misfit type, but I like mm-hmm. it. You know what can I say? It works and yeah, it's yeah. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Both the movies have good parts to music. Like I told you, the sweet dream sequence in Apocalypse is yes. one of my favorites. Yeah. Like I just love yeah. it because I like anything that just gets movement going that way. Even though the whole scene is stopped, that's what's funny about it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence as uh, Mystique. I don't know. I'm. I, I. I've. I've said in the past on the show that I'm not that sold on her. Again, she. I, it, it feels like they got her onto a good contract at a good moment, uh, and she's just like fulfilling her contract. See, and Ed and I have very different views on Jennifer Lawrence. So what I'm going to love to do <laughs> one day is have him say all this with the mute button on, and be like, "So joining us in today's podcast." J-Lo, how you doing? Give me our next film, right? Oh, my God. I, so, no. I, I, um, like, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't. Not I shouldn't at all. No, it's it's a mixed bag. I, I don't know. I still have not seen, apparently, her best Silver Linings playbook, which is the one they say, if you see that, you'll never she's see that again. She's very good in that. Um, she's, she's, very, she's very good in that. I haven't I was seen, always uh, a fan Winter's of the Hunger Bone. Games because of where I'm from. Like, sorry, but mm. you put a girl who I do find attractive. Sorry, honey, but it's okay. You, mm. I think I've mentioned to you that I find her attractive. But, you know, a girl that I find attractive plays a West Virginia, like, coal miner's daughter. Like, that's where I grew up. I didn't grow up in West Virginia, but I grew up around the corner. And so it's like, uh-huh. just the portrayal there is so, like, awesome and American. But then she did. I liked her in American Hustle, even though she pays a pain in the ass in that movie. Like, yeah. liked her in Mother, even though that movie really disturbed me. Um, but I think mm. that's a really good example because, I have you watched Mother? I haven't. So, uh, like I said, watch it once because there's one particular scene that I, doesn't affect me like it did last year. But, I mean, I cringe every time I thought of it. Um, and once mm. you see it, you'll know exactly which one I'm talking about. Listen, like, that's her with Darren Aronofsky, who she was dating at the time. And it, I mean, it all shows. This is what you love about mm. film is once you hear the backstories. And I used to be like, don't gossip about these celebrities. Listen, gossip <laughs> away because it shows up like hell when you shoot them. You know what I mean? Like, 
All yeah, these yeah. things come out subtly in a shot. And I would encourage you, watch Mother and see how she's reacting to Aronofsky's masterpiece. Like, mm. it's brilliant. Because she, mm. like the audience, is never quite mm. sure what he's trying to do. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I'll be honest, like, I like weird stuff. I love The Fountain. I thought it was Yeah, this is, this is right up there with Again, that. Again, Hugh Jackman. Uh, no, no, no. Is, it's it's is, worth... Is I, I think everybody should watch it. I, I As I said, I only make caution because i mean this came out years ago now it's available easily on netflix so you can anybody can watch it but mother came out years ago and i went to the movie theater it was at back when i mean this was a good day for movie theaters and there were like five people on that particular night on a tuesday evening and mm. four of them like we left and and, and and as i was out like four of them were like worst film i've ever seen i want my money back really? and i couldn't say anything because i was like yeah it was weird but you know, people people didn't know. Unfortunately, when they marketed that film, it was marketed as a horror film. It is not. It's yeah, like an yeah. art house horror film. So, you know, if you can handle the the experimental stuff, not the violent experimental mm. stuff, but the experimental stuff that that is a bit weird, then fine. If you can handle Hereditary, I think you could deal with this. It's not. Yeah. It's yeah. not as cohesive as Hereditary, but it yeah. will have a point at the end of it. Did you feel that way about Logan? Did you feel that um, it it absolutely it went in a direction that was like intense and yeah, and, and it suffered from the same problems. So I'm 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 glad everyone loved Logan, but I don't understand people who love Logan then hate Hereditary because Logan had hmm. that same. It's why I love indie because indie is really pushing this right now. This hmm. what what I would call it is kind of the cold open. And so normally mm. what we're taught in Save the Cat is in the first 10 minutes of the movie, I am supposed to show you absolutely everything about what's going on. Mm. You should have an establishing mm. shot. You should have all the characters in play. Mm. You know, I, mm. I've actually, you know, I think in the book they do this to Miss Congeniality too and point out to you mm. by the end of uh, Act 1 to 15 minutes into the film, you have met everybody you're going to meet in the film. That's so funny. Yeah, so yeah. we've gotten away from that because that's not practical from a storytelling point. And... It has mixed results. In Hereditary, I would say much of the story is left for you to figure out in the third act. And people mm. hated it. They said it was boring. Mm. They said it went too slow. Logan mm. does the same thing. You don't know shit mm. about what's going on until the end mm. of act two, in which case you're really rooting for them. And then, of course, act mm. three is the nostalgia kick where the kids come out of the woodwork and you're like, oh, fuck me. Now we're, now we're going to have a big old <laughs> love-in while he sacrifices himself. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say, as great as Hugh Jackman was in Logan, I feel like some other characters and, and actors in this really kind of, you know, kind of not stole the spotlight, but certainly were, were I would spectacular. Say, my view would be to say it like this, Ed. Hugh Jackman always comes to the table with Logan. That's why it's one of his good characters. Maybe mm. he always... I, don't, I, I can't think of a film he's been in that I don't like him in, to be honest with you. Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greatest really, Showman really, yeah. really did a lot for me with him because that's a yeah. tough gig and he did it so well with such panache, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he always puts up a good role, but what they did this time, which wasn't the truth in X-Men Origins, no offense to all you actors that were in it, it was, it was still a fun movie, but, I mean, everybody is giving the performance of life. You know, the one I would say mm. is the standout for me, Ed, is, has nothing to do with Xavier or Caliban. It's X-23, it's Lydia. Yes. She oh, you warned me that she was good Daphne at this because Keen. I, I love Daphne yes. King. You know what I mean? Yeah. I loved her in his yeah. dark materials, but Jesus, she's yeah. she's even better in this. Yeah, no, this was my very first um kind of exposure to her and I was blown away. She blown is away. Given she's not she's given very little dialogue. 
Um, and she communicates so much with her face, her eyes. Yeah. She's fantastic at the kind of gymnastic uh, stunt work. Um, I, the fight choreography in, in Logan is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't believe. Actress, I mean, she acts with such passion and emotion. You know, I So, mm. talking about the film that I've been sitting around watching the past two days, so this will fit into the conversation now. I, yeah, I've been yeah. watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I love. Oh, okay. Which I love. Really? Yeah, because... Interesting. I love it because... Now, listen. I love it because it's a movie you don't have to watch all at once. Like... Okay. And that's very much how my day is. I get like 20 minute pockets. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where I can do all this stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things that like, I, I put it on and I was like, all right, it's going nowhere. They told me it would go nowhere. And then I had to go do something yeah, yeah. and I like got up. I think I had to go to work because it was morning. But then I sat down for yeah. lunch and I watched a little bit more of it. And I watched a little bit yeah. more of it, a little bit more of it. And I was like, yeah, this is a pretty digging kind of film to, to watch this way. Because it's really just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a bunch of snippets. Like, it's a bunch yeah, of, like, yeah, this yeah. is... And it's, to be fair, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Tarantino lately, but I think mm. it's new for him. Like, I've not quite seen him do mm. anything quite like this before. He's always hip and cool, but okay. this is very much, like, pieces. Like, it's, like... Interesting. I, I, I gave it a shot, like, uh, early on, but... I couldn't get into it, but now, now you bring it up. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll give it another shot. Listen, like someone described it. You're to very me. good. You're you're very you're very good at like um, getting me to give films uh, an opportunity, and I got to say, I got to thank you massively for that because <laughs> some of Aww. my favorite films that I've discovered recently, things like Midsummer, like um, you know, Spring, and. Uh, and, and like stuff I said, like do that. it do it my style, man. Like I said, put it on, but don't put it on like you're gonna watch the whole thing. Put it on like you're gonna watch it up till you get bored of it, and you're gonna turn it off and put it back on when you when you want to watch it again. That's what I've been doing, and I've been loving it because it's like you mm. get all these like you're hanging out with Brad Pitt, like the Bruce Lee scene is hilarious. But it's, it was hilarious because <laughs> it came up at lunchtime today for like the ten minutes. I'm like, dude, did he just kick Bruce Lee into a uh, <laughs> like that was awesome but, but like 10 seconds later it's going to go into something different so i won't care and that's yeah, what i mean yeah, like the way i'm yeah. watching it i was like well you know uh, it goes at its own pace yeah um okay so what about um caliban uh Stephen merchant you 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 were kind of like waxing lyrical about him um, yes and i would say it's why you would say both films are good because they're just two sides of the same coin so Caliban is in both films, and this is why yes. I started just thinking of Thank looking you. at both of them. Yeah, Caliban in X Men Apocalypse is the X Men Apocalypse version of Caliban. He's like this German, you know. He's he's he sets up fights for for you know the 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 mutants. Um, mm. He this is where you're going to meet Angel, who's later going to be Archangel, who I thought was a bad character. Actor is very good there, so I don't know what went wrong, but. They just mm. Angel's another one that had a really cool story that they didn't really even yeah, touch upon. Nothing came of that. But right. Caliban's there and he's hilarious because like Apocalypse shows up looking for people and he is just like hilarious. He's like this this you can tell he just sells out everybody for money. Yeah. He does have it up, doesn't he? He's he's quite good. He's not and he's and he's very artificial. I would say he's based on his superpower, not based on what you would be as a result of your superpower. The Caliban and uh, yeah. The Caliban and Logan is the result yeah. of what you would be if you had that superpower. If right. your superpower was to hunt down your friends, then... One thing that I thought was uh, interesting was I had forgotten 
that Caliban was in X-Men Apocalypse, but I hadn't forgotten that he was in Logan. I know, obviously, you know, different size characters and stuff, but still... Like... No, no, but we, we talked about that, So, and that's exactly my point. So the, the side character of Caliban, you know, that's... And this is where I think you can go wrong in those types of movies. It's why It's why it's cool to be tackling it kind of in one show, talking about two completely different types of movies about the same universe, right? Mm-hmm. So X-Men Apocalypse, like side characters like that, look at X-Men Last Stand because they had tons. You know what I mean? They had mm-hmm. tons of mm-hmm. bit characters. That's what they're doing yeah. there. The mistake they made, you know, overall from a fandom perspective was the lack of emphasis on Apocalypse, the lack of emphasis mm-hmm. on Archangel, and the other four writers of the Apocalypse, which he could have easily mm-hmm. just put in there. You know, it's because we already talked about they had three stories they were running at the same time. Um, mm. It was the same problem that Age of Ultron had. It was just too much. Um, and mm. it did it better than Ultron. So, you know, but in Logan... Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to criticize looking back now, isn't it? Oh, I just... That's I mean. I, I thought Apocalypse was such a good film. It's just, again, like you're pointing out. So why is that different in Logan? Well, if Caliban was a no-name figure in, in, in... Is something not rememberable out of Logan, then you've lost a vast majority of some of the tension. And so that's why it's mm. important. Caliban can be whoever you want in Apocalypse because he's a plot device. You know what I mean? As are mm. most people in comic books. You know what I mean? They're just a, a way to get you from point A to point B. So there yeah. has to be some resistance at the, the club. They need some interference before Angel is taken. Caliban yeah. ends up being the interference. But otherwise, you know, he's a bit cool. He's a bit funny and a, and a bit part, but a bit part. Caliban and Logan, wow. Like... Everything in Logan is about showing the reality of the situation. So mm, what yeah, would it be yeah. like to live as long as Logan has, to have mm-hmm. you know yes. children sold into the things that they were sold? Like They do it so well. So Caliban is, what would it be like if you were born into one of the most unique groups of people and you had to grasp on every single one of your friends? Because mm-hmm. that's what he's used yeah. for. And yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but they just... They went so well to pick name of the actor again because I, I I waxed Stephen lyrical. Merchant. Stephen Merchant. If you're ever listening to my podcast, Jesus Christ, oh. mate. I've seen you in Jojo Rabbit. I've seen you in this film. I want you in one of my films. You are such a good actor. And, so I, and I guess I say it on my podcast because it's an apology, man, because I never knew. Like, I knew yeah. you were part of the writing team with Ricky Gervais. I knew you had chops, man. But, you know, A, I'm not English. And B, like... You know, I just didn't see it. And man, these two performances, like, wow, you have such depth. Like, and I'm talking like Oscar worthy depth. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I, I said the other day to you, didn't I? That, he, well, uh, that's what I mean. In yeah. that role, like I could have like honestly argued for him to have a best supporting actor because yeah, he you was, do he not, was that good. you don't get the desolation in the misery, especially when he goes yeah. at the end, like of just mm. how hopeless everything is. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. what's so cool about Logan is it says, you think actually it's X-Men Apocalypse where everything's mm. so cool because they're mutants and they have power as well. What do you really think we would do to mutants in this world? And it's the truth. We would right. do exactly yeah. as they do. The comic yeah. books yeah. follow that line. So yeah. that's why that's why Logan is the better film because it has the the more impactful message kind of on, mm. on the realities and why I think it lasts longer and in, in test of time better. But both are adequate films, and I guess that was my point. Like, isn't it interesting how different they are? But you know, story-wise, both work for me. Can I can I ask? Because I bumped with something in Logan, which um, I it's not that I thought it was bad. It's that I thought that it could have been more interesting or, or slightly different. In uh, was it X twenty four? 
his kind of like no soul clone. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree completely. When do they do that? Like, they always do that in the Terminator films, and it was exactly like that. So in the Terminator films, I think Genesis did it. No, Genesis actually. No, Genesis. Did Genesis have Arnold Schwarzenegger? And all the ones you can't have Arnold Schwarzenegger. They always end up recreating his T whatever, and it just looks mm. stupid. It always looks stupid because mm. you're like, oh. Mm. So yeah, I agree. I just think it looks stupid. Like it was like the whole point from a writing perspective. Obviously, like that was obvious to me. It was like four writers in a room, just like me being like, it's him against himself. Like sounds mm. really clever when you say it out loud, but mm. you have just pointed out if you don't. Because that was a bit of a letdown. I, I completely agree with mm. you. It was like, well, wait a minute here. Like, I don't know. I would have maybe if they would have done it like a Wolverine that was just pure adamantium skeleton, that would have been cool. Or yeah, but see, see that that was one of the issues that I had with the ending of the Wolverine, his, where I was like, his, oh, great film, and up until the final battle with the giant metal robot. Yeah, thing. and I mean his his traditional villain is Sabretooth for that reason, because Sabretooth is always the bad version of him. The problem is that I don't think anyone wanted to flash out, flesh out that character anymore because I think he appears in, in X-Men you know, Origins. Yeah, um, he, he was supposed to be like Leif Shriver was, was written into one of the versions of the script. Yeah, like I mean the other other one that always worked well, just very be very difficult to show. It would have worked in this one because they, he was white and red and very scary yes. looking but would have been an yes. Omega Red. Um, oh, okay. I was thinking Mr. Sinister. No. Omega Red, okay. No, I mean Mister Sinister never had really any connection to Wolverine. So you love Mister no? okay. Ed loves yeah, Mister Sinister. I, I don't like. I, I, he was He's a cool guy. But I had a I, I had a toy of Mister Sinister. I, I know. And he was he was. I had you gotta so I just broke out. God, we'll have to put him on the comic book show when we get it up. But I just broke out the Marvel mm. milestones. You forget how cool mm. those are, man. Those are like so. Just for all of you guys. I managed to salvage some of my old. So most of my old comic collection is with a guy named Alan Harker. Al, if you ever listen to this, please. If you ever, whoever you sold it to, just tell me. I'll go find him. Um, But I left him with my comic books after I left for college because I moved moved across the country to California and I couldn't carry them with me. And this I is just like one of the saddest stories. Oh, I just thought I'd come back for him someday, and I never did. I mean, it's it's not a sad story at all. It's what a rich, spoiled brat I am. You know what I mean? Like, breaks my heart. You know, I didn't even care. These were, but. I went back to my mom's house. Now, that was the first box of comics, but she saved, like, a second box, which was more, like, accessories and other stuff. And in that box was the Marvel Milestones from, like, 1996. So, the reason these are cool, man, these are cards. There's a hundred of them, and they're artwork. They're, like, paintings of all the famous Marvel characters at that time, the villains and the heroes. They're so dope. Like, they are so dope. Like nice. so dope, want them to have my children. I can't out. wait till I can go over to your house and play with you soon. I think, and maybe can you come over to my house? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, awesome. another thing, another thing for everybody to look at. Yeah, I mean, I would have done Omega Red, Mister Sinister. No, mm. but Omega Red was is the Russian version of right. Like yes. it's the Russian Weapon X. So that's why they always pitted yeah, him in the nineties yeah. before the Cold War ends. They yeah, always yeah, put yeah. the two of them together, and I remember them. And he was white and red because it's the Russian thing, and he looks like a, he has like a ghost-looking face, almost looks like Caliban in the face. But he could have been dark, like you could have made him really dark, and then hmm. possible. But again, the problem with him would have been he had lots of these like. The other cool thing they did in, in Logan was they kind of dialed back the special effects. Yes. Did you notice that? Yes, like, I agree with that. Yes, yeah. It was very brutal in the fight choreography, 
But yes, totally. The special effects are definitely toned it, down. It's what they should have done with the New Mutants. Because one of the complaints we had, if you listen to our podcast, New Mutants, and I know these are all complaints about X Men films. We love the X Men. That's why we talk <laughs> yeah. about so many of their shows and the MCU. So you know what I mean? Like we're just comic book yeah, geeks, yeah, yeah. right? But New Mutants had those weird scenes. I always remember them with Ileana. But it, the, yeah. the the girl with the bear was the same way. Like they had these epic like fx mm. and it was it just didn't mm. fit the story because the story wasn't epic fx the story was like four kids at this weird institution no one's mm. quite sure what's going on it was total isolation and so mm. the minute you started throwing in some big flashing lights it was like uh yeah okay see this is this is one of the reasons why i think you would really like legion because it does i think sometimes it is restrictions and it's hard to say budgetary restrictions because, like you said, the difference between X-Men Apocalypse and Logan wasn't that huge. But it's a stylistic choice. It's, an, it's a kind of a choice to go slightly more indie. Yeah. And I, it's, 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 a, it's reflected in like the lighting, like single source lighting in Logan, which is very moody and makes yeah. him tired and stuff like that. And I think it, 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 it kind of emanates throughout the film to give you a feeling of something that is not cookie cutter, which unfortunately X-Men Apocalypse kind of falls into a little. Yeah. It's, it's what, what we said traditional and the traditional ones, like, especially in the, this, you know, Apocalypse was released. I've got it in front of me in 2016. So it comes out like a year, the year of Ultron, a year before <laughs> um, Ragnarok, or year before comic book films are really going to start to look different, you know, and it's just start, yeah, yeah. Marvel understands the need to kind of break them into a new space. So mm. there are elements of that in Apocalypse. So the, the the young cast, that is like your precursor to Spider-Man Homecoming and yes, Thor Ragnarok right. and what you're going to see in Avengers mm. Infinity Wars. Like this is the multicultural, like it's the one thing they realized about comic books is why make comic books all full of white people? Like the whole point Stanley yeah. was really good actually about making sure there were always people of color all over the place in his books. That's part of the it's reason I love the zeitgeist. Comics. It's about the zeitgeist, isn't it? That's right. Like, you know, one world with a reflection of how we are. Um, you know, mm. it's funny, Ed. I um, listened to some albums and finally got I got paid last week. So I bought. I always buy, you know, a bunch of new movies and a bunch of new music to keep me in, in, in the current world and listening to the stuff that's new. But, you know, Taylor that's Swift, cool. Folklore, let me just say, like, wow... It was so really? good That's that I. So interesting. It was so good that I bugged Mitch Bain at like twelve o'clock last night to be like, "Dude, you mentioned this was a good album, and it's so good, it's so." Good. <laughs> I have to give it a listen. I, I would not have guessed. Nope, but... and most people wouldn't. People are going to say to me, "Jason, you're a Taylor Swift them." Yes, she is an amazing. Her and her partner that she writes with. Listen to her lyrics. That's what I mean. Listen to how she writes a song. What I'm talking about is not pop music that's like oh my god i just love the jangle like no i've been through that mm. mate like i'm mm. i like to think that i know something about music she has pure talent like she just mm. knows how to craft she has production mm. value the things that i really mm. dig about musicians mm. and can tell you about some other ones that i think are likewise like this was mm. when i wouldn't you know her last one my daughter would listen to right it's all about mm. you know breakups this one's the same way but it's a girl who i'm sorry a woman i always say girl just because i think you're attractive uh, you know uh, it's a woman who goes and goes into lockdown and then writes about some of like the worst things in her life 
and just mm. like sets it out. You know, Lemonade, I think, was the other one that, that did that really well from a production value yeah. standpoint. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the type of album we're talking about. When people tell you to listen mm. to Lemonade, they're not thinking you're a Beyonce fan because that's not why that's mm. an amazing album. Lemonade mm. is also an amazing album because of its production value, because mm. the way she crafted her story, it's, it's why Jay-Z mm. is the best rapper of all time. It's not because he can mm. rap without writing his lyrics down. I'm sure lots of rappers could do that. It's because when he writes mm. you a story in a rap, it's insane. Like he just so yeah. layered. You know what I mean? That's that's very interesting because I think that that does connect with uh, you know what I really love about Logan in its production value and its uh, you know clear talent that 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 is that is there. You know, that's, no, I, it's I, definitely I think it's one true. of the things I appreciate. Well, we're gonna segue into a little bit to you talking about Bad Girl at the very end here, but just kind of like yeah. as we're reaching the end of the hour on X Men. And Logan, like, I think that is, you know, this is why we have this show, because sometimes we don't, it's just like filming a movie, to be honest with you. Sometimes in the beginning, we don't quite know where we're going, but by the end of it, we're like, yeah, that's the ending, that's the ending. There yes, we go. We're there, it. we're there, we've made it. We got it, we got so, it. Once again, business card, guys, this is how we do it. <laughs> and we can do it in an hour. Um, so, yes, it's the stylistic choices, and, and you do not have to think of those in terms of budget. Like, I'm getting to a point personally, and I've said this on the podcast before, I don't like spending money on anything, okay? Anything. Mm. And you could tell me, oh, but Jade will be, make it worthwhile. And, and certainly if it is worthwhile, we'll spend the money. Like, you know what mm. I mean? I'm not saying I won't shell out for audio that we need or, or things like that. But right. in the same sense, if I can see another way to do it that's going to come up with something quality but is cheaper, yes. more minimalist, I think is more and the word for it. And creative as and well. And creative. I think that goes into it that's yeah. that's what everybody's doing right now and that's i want to be on that like i just think it's cool yeah. like why make why yeah. go to the vfx house and get them to do 30 million in vfx when i can get you know the same i can i can do a similar you know practical technique and do it for mm -hmm. like you know 50 bucks and make it look interesting i don't know it's a horrible mm -hmm. example because no, there's <laughs> no way i can do 3 million 30 million in vfx for five bucks but all i'm saying is i just you know, looking at that, you know, the last time I, I could I could give a good example and maybe we'll we'll talk about it on the podcast, you know, at a different time, but the Hobbit films. So that was my mm. big cry against Peter Jackson because I love Peter Jackson because he gives me his entire, mm -hmm. he, you know, he's a director that opens his stores to me and says, yeah, here's yeah, the films, yeah. you know, you can watch anything you want, Jason, and I'll tell you all about it. Very generous but, with his like. Yeah, and talent. just notice the difference in his attitude on fellowship versus the Hobbit. And the fellowship, there's just so many corners he's not willing to cut or VFX mm. that he's not willing to use. And in the second mm. set, you hear him talk about how excited he's getting about all mm. the VFX. Well, what part of what ruins the second set is the the lack of, I don't know, like you said, it's, it's just not as effective storytelling. It's, again, yeah. an X-Men apocalypse because they're not mm. bad films. I hate how people say no, the Hobbit no, were no, bad no. films. No. Like, no, they weren't. Yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. Good films, they're just a little slow yeah. and a little, you know, at times a bit boring yeah. versus The Fellowship of the Ring, which, you know, again, those are long films, but man, they never feel yeah. boring. I think one of the things that is also a big part of the film industry, especially when you're talking about kind of a, a those heights, studio level heights, is that it's an industry of innovation and there's always people trying to push boundaries uh, and sometimes they hit it out of the park with something like Avatar, right? Uh, James Cameron and making all the money in the world for a film which story-wise, well... Mm. Um, but, you know, you look at something like The Mandalorian now, right? And mm. what is possible on the small screen. 
the the thing that excites me is the potential trickle down of some of this technology that could allow us to tell like a sweeping western or sci-fi epic hmm. or some some something along those lines. Yeah, and we're already working on it. Well, one of them. I watched Brian <laughs> I watched Brian Cox the Planets and I have a new feature yes. based on that which I think that's I, that's a, think I, that's the idea. runner. If I the problem I had is obviously we're talking about sci-fi. So when I talked to Ed it was like so if I make this just two people talking in a room it's going to get really boring. So what do we do? Because I can't I can't put them on Mars, can I? And you never know, maybe we can but yes i mean you know the the, the seed of of an idea i think is definitely that's there. right some we, strong there and, and and you know that's our shared vision ed and that's what i love about being able to do this podcast with you buddy because that's our point and that's the point of x-men apocalypse you know versus logan x-men apocalypse on paper looks like it should be the better film it's got a bigger cast more people hmm. on it it's hmm. not a derivative film but mm. I mean, just watch the two. Watch the noir version because that's what I did for Logan. Mm. Oh my god! Nice. I mean, I watched both nice. now, but the noir version mm. is better. It is better because it's it's just fun. It's just more fun. Yeah, and it, it yeah. highlights the noir elements all that much better because there are mm. a lot of noir elements in in Logan. Yes, but yes, that's what I would say for you, indie filmmaker or just listener who likes to know how indie filmmakers think. The difference in the story is a big deal, as you see in this one, right? And it's not has not have to do with the, the quality of your actors, or the quality <coughs> of your characters, the quality of that. It had to do with how you tell the story. Logan's story is infinitely more guided, infinitely smaller, and that's why I think it does better. We Ed and I live in the world of indie film where that's exactly how they can they do the stories right. We don't ever have mm. money to tell you a big story, so we have to keep the story small and to keep the story succinct. And so we have all sorts of with it. Logan epitomizes the things that we think are cool about indie yeah. storytelling that way. X-Men Apocalypse, completely different kettle of fish, and not a bad kettle of fish, just understand for your indie film, and we have seen indie films go this route and fail, that is where you could have problems. If you decide that you are going to make an epic sprawler, you know, with no money, it's, again, you're not going to capture people's interest in my mind the way you would, and the problem is you're not going to have your 30 million for VFX, so if you don't make it look spectacular, which X-Men Apocalypse does, then then you got real troubles because you've got a story that doesn't fit and a mediocre mm. looking film. One thing that I found really interesting uh, when you we were kind of texting back and forth about Apocalypse was you said, oh, it would suck though to, to think that we would get a shot at something like this and, you know, you make a film like Apocalypse probably thinking, this is a good job. We did we did great here, you know. But somehow just it not I, and I still, working, and, and, do you know what I mean? And I never really got to the bottom of that, though. I don't know if it was just word of mouth to me, because when I went online, it was like it had mixed reviews. Some people said, great mm. film, not a problem. I hadn't heard any of that. Everybody I talked to was like, don't see this film. It was really bad. Mm. And so mm -hmm. that's what I don't understand. It was like, maybe just my friends didn't like it. I don't know. But, mm. you know, and I think, you know, that's the good news. I think they executed as they were supposed to. You know, big budget, mm. 178 million. So, you mm. know, you'd wish it would be better. And I think that what you were saying is probably more accurate. That it wasn't that it was a bad film, but the stakes are much higher. And I think that's what we were talking about on that. When I was talking to you the text message, it's like, mm. I think for me, I just don't want because I don't want to, I don't want to, like I said, I, don't, I have no idea who listens to this podcast. So 
<laughs> if you want to hand me a big budget film, you want to hand Ed mm-hmm. and I a big budget film, like we will do it. Like I'm not saying we couldn't do it. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is I don't think the rewards are as great. I think mm. for me, like where I see really great traction is making those tight stories. As I said, the, you know, we started the podcast out ages ago talking about, you know, we went to see Baby Driver and stuff like that. Like Baby Driver is a great example of what I like big budget film because he made mm. that film actually on a cheaper big budget than you'd think mm-hmm. and then reaped the rewards when it got $100 million at the box office. That's the kind of thing mm-hmm. that I'd like to work on. I'm not mm. as keen personally even though i would never say no to it and i don't have any experience in it Mm. so it's like maybe i go on set and feel completely different about it but i Mm. just that whole like living at that 179 million and then being like well as long as we make 300 we'll be all right like i just don't that doesn't sound fun to me that's all yeah yeah yeah. no no i'm a hundred percent with you you know for now i I don't know like i said let me make you know the first thing we're very easy to figure out the first thing we're going to make is a really cheap feature and then we're just kind of going to grow it from there. And so let me make that first really cheap feature and then see how I feel about it, yeah. you know? Exactly, exactly. Build, you know, build. I think so. Maybe, as I said, and it's also because, as I said, I, I'll, I'll never, I'll, I may never recover from Josh Reedon's director's commentary of Age of Ultron. <laughs> I think I need to have a brunch with him and be like, yeah. so you scarred me, Joss. Like, you're, get the real. I look, get so, the real, I look yeah. up to you so much because I think you're one of the greatest writers of your time, but... Man, get the true true from yeah me. like how how do i not do what you did do i have enough time to do what you did and, and like how do i not do that where i need five years of he might he might literally turn around to you and be like just keep doing what you're doing man. i don't just know man like it was just like just enjoy the ride don't 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 put pressure on yourself i reckon that's what he would tell you well and that's what we've learned for us at least like i think so you know we we've got a million things going on we have people chasing us too like dude we just wanted to reach out like i know i'm sorry i'm really busy with my day job too right now and i've got so many things going on ed's ed's answering emails on my behalf thank you very much because that's how it goes for us like i i've just but like we're releasing we're releasing stuff like no no it's because it's because what i find and i and i'm sure other people suffer from this a lot more uh it's it's looking at you know patience and when things are going to come out i always get really Mm. excited about stuff but then forget to tell all of you that most development cycles are two to five years so Everything you see yeah, in my sizzle reels, it's like, thing. it may not be coming anytime soon. Now, those are short yeah. films, thankfully. So a lot of those I can do quicker than two to There's five years. There's more potential, exactly. That I can yeah. get it done faster. But that's the reality. And and the problem is it Joe is. Public doesn't know that reality. So they're always like, what are you working on, man? You got it's anything true. going? Is, yeah. It's, you seem really slow. Like, like no, I'm, I'm not slow at all. It's just, you know, it's, it's trying to get through There's it. like... 20 irons in the fire. Exactly. So I guess our point being this is, is like, don't... Don't get discouraged, indie filmmaker. Like, I love the fact that things take as long as they do because it teaches me patience. It teaches me how much how much worth it's going to be. You know, when I get everybody together for Noche de los Muertos, you know, that's going to be awesome. But in the meantime, like, it makes me think of stuff. So I think I've brought it up before. And if anybody listening to the podcast has a personal connection to her, I know Patty Murphy knows her, but I don't. Gigi Sol Guerrero. She keeps showing up on my Instagram with this amazing Day of the Dead makeup on mm. and i'm like i need her right now to show me how to do yeah. that like that's nice. in my film <laughs> like so that's what i mean had i not shout out well mm. that's the patience part like you take the silver linings now that i have more time what can i do with it what can i mm-hmm. use this extra time to do don't just sit there and say it sucks i can't do anything like you can do anything you yeah. want yeah Lock- lockdown you know has been a 
tough time i think for a lot of creative people um but you're right like you've got to kind of put your head down keep going keep coming up with stuff and i think that uh, you know we're doing a good job yeah i no, i definitely for me guys what you all have to understand if you're listening on there is why am i always and it does help my produ- you know my, my work as a producer but i took care of the day job first a long time ago and i'm fairly comfortable at that job and i wouldn't I, I know exactly what you mean when you say it's not as easy if you're you know, going through COVID or thing. Listen, the things I don't have to worry about at the moment, at least, are like my paycheck and paying my bills. I get it, guys. I get it if that adds on. Because a couple of years ago, I walked out of film. You know, this the, the, the company goes largely on ice because Ed and I ran out of any sort of tangible money, even to run the company. Like, not that it costs a lot to run the company, but I mean, I had credit card debt, blah, blah, blah. The stories you hear from filmmakers, and I get that, man. I was up all mm. night trying to figure out... Life, right? Adam Stovall was like... Exactly. Uh, so we get it. it. Like, it's not like I've never yeah. been poor before or never been in debt before. I get it. It's just <laughs> the benefit I have in my life now is I don't have that problem, you know, just at the moment. And so right. I am able to kind of do things at my leisure. And I'm telling you it still gets done quickly. Like it still gets done in a time frame it's supposed to. Yeah. But, but I also think that that's really good advice for kind of young people out there trying to get in the film industry and trying to get stuff done. And it's like, it's okay to, you know, uh, like have a day job and, you know, and do make other sure things. that, yeah, exactly. Like live, live life as well. Like I, I think that going to Korea for me was a massive element of just kind of living life. That's right. So, I mean, let me give you a, a practical life example of what I'm talking about. Because, again, I really like when Adam was like, you need to give examples. Because, okay, so this weekend, right, I've got, we did the the London Horror Society. And some of you may be listening to this podcast. We did the London Horror Society pitch. We did well. So I've had a lot of people contact us and say, I want to help. I want to get involved. I want to be in your stuff. Like, it's awesome. And to be fair with all of you, I haven't gotten back to anybody yet. Anybody, really. And the reason is I got busy with my day job at the beginning of the week and then I had Thanksgiving at the end of the week. And you know what? I mean, I didn't do any – Ed can tell you because I didn't even call him. Friday, Saturday, I was out. I was doing my thing because I have to have so many days for that. Am I – you know, am I worked to the bone? I can't live anymore. I'm so depressed. No, it's not really like that. It's just I know my own pacing. Life. And so mm. nothing I'm going to produce for you, nothing I'm going to write for you, nothing I'm going to direct is going to be as good if I don't take time – to spend time with my daughter on a Friday morning or with my wife on it. You know, Saturday was great because my wife and I were in the kitchen. We found out we're actually, we quite like each other in the kitchen because we we help (laughs) each other out. And, and, you know, we have a very teamwork, exactly teamwork kind of thing, you know? And so that's what I mean. That comes first guys. Like for me, at least if the wife ain't happy, if the kid ain't happy, I got problems and I got bigger problems than, than for me, at least whether or not my next film comes out. Not everybody's like that. I, Totally, you know, love artists who are like no, screwed no, the but films. I think no, but I think that it is it's it's an important point, and you know, if if you don't have kids or or, or a partner, if it's it's a question of you know your mental health, your your physical That's health. Right. That's like, right. Get out there and live life, man. Exactly, live life because that will also make you a better filmmaker. And I it, really do believe that. And it won't. I guess the point that people miss in this country, and I will say, in this country. In England, because of my experience being in a white collar job, what I do, you know, down in the city of London, and then also mm. in filmmaking, there's this constant impression of FOMO with your career, with your life. Mm. And it's like, mm. but I have to become a lawyer now because if I don't, mm. if I travel the world for three years, then mm. I won't, you know, I won't, 
I won't be able to make the job that I want. Film, people are like 38 years old, you're just getting into film. I'm like, yeah, it makes really no difference, to be yeah, honest with you. Exactly. It really yeah, doesn't, I've, I've guys. Life. I've done I've done things. Exactly. And no one in film yeah, yeah, yeah. really cares because they're like, well, if he yeah. can make stuff, he can make stuff. If he can, he can't. You know, like it'll it all comes out in your your, your films anyway. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. I've found that largely to be untrue, and it's made me at least more comfortable as a person. You know, I, mm-hmm. I have a lot less arguments with people because you know, I know where I want to put my time as opposed to 10 years ago yeah. when Ed, you know, knew me 15 years ago when Ed knew me when I was all over the place. Um, believe it or not, guys, this is me not all over the place. <laughs> so, you know, just a bit of a divergence there, but an important one that I think Ed brings up. And, and you know, and all of you that have emailed me, I will get back to you. That's not the point that I'm saying, ha I'm not going to speak to you. No, I will. It's just I'm going to do it when I get around to doing it. I'm not going to apologize yeah. for it, you know? Life life is, life is has to be lived. Yeah, and, and, and not worried about so much. That's, I guess, the point that I'm making is as a junior lawyer, as a junior insurance consultant, as a junior filmmaker, which I'm still a junior filmmaker, so I'm not trying to sound like I've got mm. any brass there, but you panic. You keep wondering. You're worrying what other people will be reacting to things. You can't do that. Like, just do what mm. you need to do. If it was meant to be, exactly. mate, it's going to be meant to be. If it wasn't meant to be, all you got to do is get your hustle out because you're going to get told a million times. So if someone tells you no and you were like, oh, if I would have done this, they would have told you yes, then go find someone else to, to not tell you no. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right enough of me ranting about god knows what we're at hour 12 now i was doing well at an hour having you talk about the actual films <sighs> but i do want to get one more thing in guys so last yes. bit just to because we do get him to talk a little bit about it every time he's here so bad girl um yeah you know i've already told you my views on this one this is a weird one guys because and i found out it's not actually the song that i don't like it's just the it's just the the verses so sorry caught flying robot I, I, you know, everybody's got their own taste. It just wasn't to my taste, but I love the music That's video. Okay. I love mm. the oh, music okay. video. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, Bad Girl was a music video that I shot for Kite Flying Robot, uh, which is a band run by uh, Nicholas Thompson, a guy I met out in South Korea. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd seen him. So um, yeah. Uh, he's now in Oklahoma. Um, oh, wow. You know, uh, he, he got a master's in... Um, uh, musicology. I'm sure that's not correct, but uh, he he could basically score. He could basically score a film for us if we ever needed him to. And he's a lovely guy. Oh, wonderful! But um, I've been to again, a few of his again, shows. Again, just stopping I, there yeah. then in case he's listening, Nick. I also love. Like, I'm not a music producer, but I love music, and I'm not talking about that you're a bad musician. I just the the, the flow of the verse wasn't to my liking. That's all I was saying. That's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'd been to a few of his shows and I really liked his music and, uh, we got on quite well. We kind of hung out in similar social circles and, um, a couple of my filmmaker friends had made uh, some, some videos for his new album and, uh, we got talking and I said, listen, man, I'd, 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 I'd love to work together. And he was like, yeah, man, let's, let's do it. And so we started off really slowly, man. It took us so many months to like go from meeting up a couple of times, talking about the movies that we liked, mm-hmm. uh, where we talked about like Blade Runner and the idea of like the femme fatale, like noir, but, uh, you know, sci-fi themed. And we had all these really grand ideas. Mm. Uh, but of course... 
you know, no budget, right? Like, like Nick kind of paid for it for out of his own pocket, and I, uh, I didn't. You, I didn't you, make you took money. it. No one... You took his money. Just, just, just say it. No, I, no, I, no, no one, no one got paid. No one got paid. No, but you know what I mean. Like, had... like that's what I mean. It's not like he funded it. Like, because I always love that, and it's like, and we, we worked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, you know, and inevitably, like it's things like feed. He fed people. Like he. Um, got uh, like um, photographs printed that we could cut out, and basically, um, he he was very hands on in 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 terms of the production of the music video, okay. which I found to be really really helpful. Then we also had a fantastic cinematographer called Daniel Smakala, who I've worked with on a few different things. Okay, he made a documentary about Korea called Sede. Which I backed on Kickstarter. Oh, okay, now I know who you're talking about. I've watched. I've watched yeah. part of that. I think I fell asleep to it. No offense, because it was good. No, no, it's a super like ambient. Uh, and it's very, it's kind a of, very sad story. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and and it's uh, it's you know, he's a cinematographer. He's a documentary maker. It's all about the beautiful images that he creates. Um, but I was lucky enough to work with him and also um, the editor of the video, because I think I might have told you that I edited it but I realized that I didn't, <laughs> um, was a good friend of mine. Uh, his uh, stage name is Nick Neon. He's an actor and film director. He's uh, fairly active in the LGBTQ community uh, of filmmakers. Okay. Um, and uh, he made a zombie film in Seoul, which inspired me very much early on in my career, which is called uh, Fear Eats the Soul. I think um, I remember you showing the, the trailers for that always looked really. I remember Becky and I looking at the trailers, being like, "We gotta see this when it comes out." I don't think we ever mm-hmm. did, unfortunately. But um, uh, well, let me know, and uh, I will definitely uh, get your copy yeah, from you because man. it uh, it's an absolute seminal film in the South Korean independent. Well, that's what, that's what I mean. You gotta look these guys up for us, man, because I mean this that that could be the DOP for eight one seven when we get the feature made right now. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 fantastic, and I know he's still in Korea. Uh, he works a lot with Aurelian, actually. But um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about uh, uh, this video for Bad Girl was the application of um, I'd done perfect. And I had made How the Heart Was Lost. I loved the sci-fi aesthetic. I loved the um, Western aesthetic. And I wanted to kind of fuse those together a little bit Uh and give it a bit of a noir kind of twist. So, So Cowboys and Aliens was like your favorite film. Honestly, I was so hyped for when that was going to come out. And then it came out, and I was like, "Oh, John Favreau." Burns. Yeah, no oh, offense, it just didn't but work. It's John, John, John Favreau, though, man. Like, I don't know. Well, uh, anyway. he he has his misses. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> exactly. Like every other director, exactly. we're gonna have ours too. Let's just hope we don't have them yeah. first. Let's have them at the end of our careers. But uh, thanks to kind of the collaboration with all of these kind of filmmakers and stuff, and um, I got a film which was very much how I wanted it to look, which was nighttime soul. It had uh, some slightly futuristic vibes mm. to it, but also felt very noir. And, you know, in terms of production, it was five days, um, two weekends, and one extra day for um, pickups. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a sweltering summer in Seoul. 
And I often remember that whenever I'm filming was the weather conditions. Mm. It's either freezing or boiling. Yeah, yeah. There's never an in-between. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like the final product, it looks crisp. I feel like it was, you know, the intent that I wanted to put stylistically onto the film um was very much present and uh yeah it was it was it was a great collaboration i would i would um work with nick in a heartbeat again yeah music videos guys that's uh, that's always me crying from ed ed's not that he wouldn't do music videos he's just he's not like a like i'm the musician out of the group i guess and i just i'm always like why don't we get calls for that man i'd love to make one but it's tough because you have to build a relationship with the artist and i think that's the tough part because I'm an old man now, 38 years old. I have a few, you know, relatives, family members and musicians, but, you know, I don't rarely go down to the scene anymore like I used to. Um, but yeah, if you're listening and you want your music video done, please hit us up because I love making them. And I guess the reason I love them so much um, and the reason I love what Ed did so much is you have a little bit more freedom in a music video than you do in a short film. And so Ed got away with doing kind of some really cool things um in bad girl that you couldn't do uh, it may not have worked in a short film as well um but hmm. superb job i mean again i didn't i can never tell which one's going to be everyone else's favorite when i put them up there but that's another one that i was like people hmm. will like this one a whole whole lot and, and, and as i said I, I was grooving with it too it's an excellent music video um and the song as i said there's there's nothing wrong with the song it's just not my taste so cool uh, well, yeah, no, and and like I say, it it was um, any any lessons learned on that particular shoot. Any lessons learned? You've had them on other ones. That's why I'm asking because you did mention things yeah. on How the West and and on a Cold Soul. Yeah, um, I, I would say that having the artist very involved and like connected to the the production of of the music video, I think, is massive. Um, very much in contrast uh, to like maybe some of the commercial work that you've done yeah exactly like it, it's about someone having their heart into something um i worked also i don't know if if, if we're going to be releasing this one but uh, the woman was another music video that i did for another artist who was also very involved mm. in it and it just meant that you know as long as we were on the same page uh we were able to get something that they wanted which was which is my goal right mm. beyond just making something that i think looks cool i want to make something that i think looks cool and that they really like yeah, it's their song right, right? so you, you've got to express exactly. kind of like you don't want to express a message that they didn't intend in the song you know what i mean like yeah yeah so um i feel like uh we did a, a fairly good job on um on bad girl i was very very pleased with it okay all right. Well, we are we are way past an hour now. We are an hour and 21 <laughs> minutes just to have a little bit of extra. But sometimes it's fun just to have the extra rant, guys. We're just trying to give you all the stuff we've been through this week. I didn't even get a chance to talk about Queen's Gambit. That was another one I was going to bring up that I watched oh, this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the interesting thing I told you about that show, just to, to finish up on Queen's Gambit so I can get it out and yeah. we'll bring it up next week. Queen's Gambit, like I loved it, takes place like in Cincinnati and Kentucky. So parts of it in New York and Paris as well. Um, yeah. but this whole thing I watched right and then it was funny because it ends and I was like wow that was that was pretty cool but I don't remember my like my stepmother's from all that area and I was like I don't remember ever talking uh -huh. about a female chess player like why am I not uh -huh. remembering this story it's from where I came from well I looked it up like it's a it's not a true story like it's it's interesting 
Does it seem to sell itself as a true story? Kind of. And that's what I was right. like, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. It never said to me, oh, this yeah, is yeah. a true story. But it's obviously, right, it's right. like the way it's set up is like, this mm. happened on this date, this happened on this date. So you just assume that this is accurate. You don't know it's like a Forrest Gump. Is it accurate to Cincinnati in terms of like location? Yes, and, that's, that's what and I mean. Like, and like, and it like takes, that. like, obviously it starts in Lexington and then goes to Louisville and then Cincinnati, and then obviously New York and Paris as well. No, it's that's what I mean. It's 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 like Mad Men with the authenticity. Like that's yeah, why it's yeah, such yeah. a good film or such a good show. It's a long miniseries. Yeah, it's such a good miniseries because stylistically, like not only has Anya nailed her character and looks stunning mm. as this woman, but the the fashion that's used is just. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for that, Ed. I love it. Like, I just... It's the same <laughs> reason I love Mad Men. When it looks cool like that yeah. in the period yeah. that it's in, I just... I love when they nail that. And Scott... No, uh, I'm with you. I can't think of his last name. Scott somebody is the one who wrote that. He got it right. Scott Frank or Frank Scott. Like, mm-hmm. he he nailed it. He got that part completely right. What he, as I said, the part he didn't tell me, but didn't... It was funny how much I didn't care at the end. I was like, oh, I guess it doesn't matter. It's not a true story. But, like, mm. it felt like it was a true story. And just disclaimer to you guys, it's not true. That never happened. I, I thought it was weird. I was like, wouldn't you know about a great chess champion? <laughs> not that she yeah, would, yeah, Not necessarily yeah. ruining it that she wins. You know what I mean? There's there's a whole backstory to everything. But, um, yeah, I just found that – are we reaching the point where that's the stories we're going to tell now? Like, where we kind of rewrite history with people in them. It just I I, yeah. I can't remember recently ever having seen that done before. No, well, it's interesting that you bring up like Forrest Gump uh, and that like kind of alternate history. That's, thing that's that the only one is... I can think of that that did that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you've also got things like um... just to take us to an hour and an hour thirty. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what do you guys talk about after hours? After hours um, Ooh, with a, with a cocktail with a you know. <laughs> Vodka Martini. That's right. Grab your Gibson, um, folks. But um, no, no, it's 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 interesting. Like, because uh, there was the Hitler one with um, oh, Valkyrie. Robert Carlyle. No, Robert Carlyle from Train Spotting. I don't know if you remember him. Okay, he played Hitler in an alternate universe where this they won the Second World War. It's quite an interesting, um, a little like two-part mini-series kind of thing. Okay. But no, you're right. There's there's nothing kind of... Um, especially when it's presented very much like a biopic. Didn't you, you know that's I mean? why I was saying it to you, because I'm like, you've yeah. seen the marketing, and everyone listening to this will have seen yeah, the marketing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. They definitely marketed this one as mm. like, isn't this a wonderful like story? And I'm like, <laughs> which was fine until I was like, but it's fake. And then I was like, does mm. it matter that it's fake? Because obviously I have a daughter and this is, she couldn't yeah. watch it now because there's lots of drug use and stuff in it. But, mm. you know, when she gets older, I think that's what I mean. As a piece for feminism, it's worth it hands down. If nothing mm. else to get another story about a woman being successful because the way it was written and it was written by a guy. So I found this interesting, but it's written, I felt, with elements of that. The things we're starting to to allow into film that we weren't before. Mm-hmm. The allowing of the way a woman thinks about something as opposed to a man, which is different. Mm. Trust a guy that's been married for mm. 15 years. I finally <laughs> came to the realization five years ago that I was never going to figure this out. You know what I mean? And that's the point. Like The way she analyzes a problem, the way I analyze a problem. Well, she might even analyze a problem. That's the whole thing. So uh-huh. that's what I liked about this one. This was unapologetically feminine, you know, and just like, mm. and, and unapologetically a lot of things. And I just thought that was great. 
it just different to um uh what's the one uh the handmaid's tale like um uh well handmaid's tale is dystopia so that's that's this yeah, is yeah. not dystopia yeah. this isn't like this isn't like a, a future that you would know this is a or or yeah. a change that's what i mean nothing has been changed is it set in the 50s 50s and the 60s yes 50s and 60s, right. And so you've got that kind of authentic look and feel, oh, sorry, like six, you yeah, said, with Mad Men. 60s, and, 60s and se- yeah, 67 is when a lot of it happens. Okay. So, And that's what I mean, was, which, which is interesting because that's what I mean. Like, it's not, it doesn't rewrite any of that. It just rewrites, mm-hmm. it inserts her into the narrative. So, and mm. the, the, it's based on a novel. So what I was saying is, is I mean, it was written as a fictional book, but it, the writer apparently went to the chess association and asked mm. all these questions. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. God knows the game, it will make you want to play chess as well. Jesus. Really? Like, Oh man, I really, were you a big, were you game. a big, big chess player? No, it chess. The, the biggest thing, closest thing to chess that I do is magic. The gathering. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's why I know I'd be a decent chess player. If I put my mind to it, it's mm. just, um, I, I don't know. Magic the Gathering is, is a trading card game that I've played mm. since I was 10. And it's yeah. like chess, but the rules change every year. So mm. I like it better that way. My brother was like a chess champion when he was when he was a kid. He was very good. Really? Yeah, it's very I think good. It's the amount of studying you have to do to get really good at it. Even mm. if you're intuitive, you still have to kind of see the moves. And I was never patient enough for that. The best, best chess I ever did, and, and, and Mike Curley doesn't listen. That's my father-in-law, Mike Curley. Doesn't listen to this, so he unfortunately won't be able to shake his fist at me. But <laughs> Becky plays her dad in chess all the time. The first time she did, though, was mm. when we were in Korea together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is back when I was trying to woo her. So I was probably trying to come off even more intelligent than I really am. Yeah. And so I turned to her and said, oh, I'm a chess champion. So, oh, really? Like, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> and that, Ed's laughing because he's like, yep, this is what he does when he's trying to impress. Um, and so I was like, what do you need to know? And she's like, well, I don't know how to beat my dad. So I told her, I was like, have you ever beaten your dad before? And he's like, she was like, no. And honestly, this was just straight psychology and I knew it would work. I said, follow every move he makes, you'll beat him. And uh-huh. she beat him in 25 moves. <laughs> and he, he couldn't believe it. He's like, first game you've ever won. And it was like, yeah, because I followed every move you did. I've never, I've never, I've never been good at chess. Oh, all right. Well, we are at an hour 30. I won't take you guys longer than that. And um, just to remember the brass tacks, I haven't mentioned them a lot, but please go to our social media sites on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Please check out the website, always updated with stuff. But thank you so much for listening to this kind of rant about Apocalypse. Uh, X Men Apocalypse Logan, yeah. and, and Logan and everything in between. I, and we'll I really you. enjoyed that discussion. That was awesome. I hope so. It's always good fun. So we'll catch you next time for the next rant. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.